I'm grateful tonight that our breath is in his hands. That's what uh, Job said, our breath is in his hands. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn with me to 1 Kings chapter 8, and I'm going to read a short portion of Scripture here. I'm not going to read the whole chapter of 1 Kings because it's, oh my goodness, probably 60-something, 66 verses, but I want to read a short portion, and then I'm just going to refer to certain passages in that chapter as I make my point tonight, and um, just kind of, uh, you know, uh, tagging on to uh, Father's Day, I just felt this was a fitting message to kind of speak and talking about prayer and talking about uh, fathers that prayed and that knew God, and I just felt like that this was fitting tonight. So in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 54, the Bible says this, and you can read along with me, but it says, and it was so that when Solomon had made an end of praying all this prayer and supplication unto the Lord, he arose from before the altar of the Lord from kneeling on his knees with his hands spread up to heaven, and he stood and blessed all the congregation of Israel with a loud voice saying, Blessed be the Lord that hath given rest unto his people Israel according to all that he uh, promised. There hath not failed one word of all his good promise which he promised by the hand of Moses his servant. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. And that's the text I want to go off of tonight. But I want to read the 58th verse. And it's that he may incline our hearts unto him to walk in all his ways and to keep his commandments and his statutes and his judgments, which he commanded our fathers. And I want you to remember this scripture, this 57th verse. The Lord our God be with us as he was with our fathers. Let him not leave us nor forsake us. Let's pray over the word. Father, I thank you tonight for your precious, wonderful word, the bread of life that we can break open, Father God, and and eat of your word. And tonight, as we begin to just minister this message, I ask you to bring an anointing, Lord, that makes preaching and teaching effective. And God, build up this body, encourage them. Lord, begin to challenge us, begin to correct us, Lord, begin to deal with us, Lord, because we want to be conformed to your image. As Christians, as your children, God, we want, Lord, you to teach us, to chasten us, God, to deal with us. And, Lord, we want to be the very best that we can be for you, for your glory and your honor. And, Lord, the blessing will be seen in evidence upon our lives. I ask tonight for you to just use me as your vessel. And, Lord, I humble my heart before you and this people. And I pray your blessing upon it. In Jesus' name I ask, amen and amen. Thank you, Jesus. So I'm preaching this thought, preaching this word tonight. And this is the account when uh, Solomon begins to dedicate the temple. And if you go all the way back to the first uh, verse of this chapter, you're going to see all of the things that he said. And there's a lot there. Uh, On your own time, you can read that. It will bless you. But God was so pleased that he visited them 
in verses 10 and 11, as they begin to do the sacrifices and begin to bring the Ark of the Covenant into that holy place and set it in its proper place and uh, all of that, the Bible says in verse 10 and 11 that when it, it came to pass when the priests were come out of the holy place that the cloud filled the house of the Lord so that the priests could not stand to minister because of the cloud for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of the Lord. And then spoke Solomon, the Lord said that he would dwell in the thick darkness. And we know that he did. He showed up that day. You've heard throughout the years, I'm sure if you've been a Christian, the, the terminology and the word used, the Shekinah glory. Well, that was the Shekinah glory. That was the presence of God that came. As God began to say, I'm pleased with this temple that you have uh, built and, and according to what I desire in the detail and you've done it as unto the Lord and and God began to bring his presence upon what he was pleased with you know a lot of people they want the presence of God well I'm going to tell you something God's presence comes where he's glorified he's honored and he is uh you know worshiped and so he was pleased and he visited them there now from verses 13 to uh, verses 44 Solomon prays a beautiful prayer challenging and committing the people of God to a life uh, unto God and it was addressed to that present uh, crowd that was there at that moment before him but he concluded in the 57th verse with what I shared with you and read to you be with us as you were with our fathers do not leave us we ask God nor forsake us there's something very powerful in this particular text the ancient fathers were a point of reference they were a landmark never to be forgotten Forgotten. That's why he said, as you were with our fathers, be with us. Why would he make such a statement? Because those forefathers, those patriarchs were landmarks. You know, the Bible says that we're not to remove the ancient landmarks, but they're there for a reason. They're there to keep us where we need to be. I'm thankful for the Word of God. It's a landmark unto us. The Old Testament authors, and we read about the patriarchs, the fathers of the faith they were landmarks our landmarks unto us and why because they knew God they knew him as the great I am hallelujah and they knew him as a deliverer from Egypt which is a type of sin you know I've heard people before say you know and even in the word of God Egypt was a place that the children of Israel in their times of trouble or their distress or so they thought in the wilderness I want to go back to that why would anybody want to go back to bondage why would anybody want to go back to that and be you know under the bondage of Egyptian taskmasters but they said that we had it better there no you didn't no you didn't it wasn't better there it's better here and those men of God those fathers of the faith that we read about they knew that he was a deliverer Moses knew he was a deliverer Joshua knew he was a deliverer Caleb knew he was a deliverer we see that in the word of God God knows how to deliver a father or anybody from their sin he knows how to deliver them from bondage amen well they knew God oh not only as the great I am not only as the deliverer or alone 
But they knew God as the leader out of bondage. The Bible says in verse 51 of that chapter 8, it says, For for they be thy people and thine inheritance which thou broughtest forth out of Egypt from the midst of the furnace of iron. I was reading that and I thought, Lord, from the midst of the furnace of iron, the fiery furnace of bondage and oppression, the fiery furnace. You know, um, but we also know that that was a place of affliction for them. It was a place that brought them to a place to cry out to God. That There was a groan and a cry that went up to heaven that caused God to respond and to send a deliverer called Moses and he did. But I thought about that. The fiery furnace. You know, it was the laborsome life of making brick without straw that drove them to groan and cry that reached unto heaven. We go through fiery furnaces, I can tell you, and sometimes we think it's a horrific thing, but God allows those furnaces to bring about a result. He brings those furnaces on to prove what's down deep within us. Amen. He proved what was down deep within the faith within those three Hebrew boys when He brought them through the furnace and they didn't even have any scent of smoke because the fourth man in that fire was Jesus and he was with them all along God doesn't put us or allow us to go through the fires so that we can be destroyed but so that we can be made and we can come forth amen as pure gold Oh, so let me tell you something church tonight no matter what you go through and we're all going to go through things well that was weak Nobody wants to go through things, but guess what? There's nobody in here that hasn't went through something in their life. And if you stayed close to God and you went to the Lord and you cast everything upon Him and you prayed for faith and grace to make it through it, you come through on the other side better. Amen. You came through better. You came through understanding God's love, His mercy, His grace. You came through on the other side. Amen. Pure gold as you're glorifying Him. And He said, look, look at what took place as they came through that fire. Amen. That King Nebuchadnezzar said, let me tell you something. There's a God in them that we don't know nothing about. But I want you to know, we're going to make a decree that the God that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego serve is the true God. Oh, The fiery furnaces of anger and resentment. The fiery furnaces that we go through that burn up the lust in our life. The fiery furnaces of persecution. I'm going to tell you something. They bring about something in our lives. They do something in us. I was preaching a few weeks ago on Pentecost Sunday about the fire of the Holy Ghost. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost. Amen. We need the fire of the Holy Ghost in our lives. We need a preacher that comes with a tongue of fire to to preach the Word of God that will begin to light the fire of God in you. Light the fire of the Holy Ghost in you and stir you up. I've sat under men of God, preachers that preached under the unction of the Holy Ghost and they begin to speak and powerfully they begin to, as God used them, they're just instruments, but He used them and they stirred the fire in my heart. That's what we need. That's what we need. 
Amen. I don't care about the political scene. This world's not my home. People say, I don't want to go to your church because you don't talk enough about politics. I'm supposed to preach the uncompromised, unadulterated gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can tell you, I want whoever God wants in that White House. I want them to be a, a person that serves God, a Christian. But I'm going to tell you, whenever we're voting somebody in, we're not voting in a pastor. Come on now. We're, we we got to understand, we're voting in a leader. And, and, but but this, this is their world. This is not our world. This is not our home. Amen. And so I, I'm not going to get up and preach anything but the Word of God. People need God. Amen. They need God. You need to vote your whole your, your uh, moral conscience. You need to go to that voting booth. You don't, as a Christian, vote for abortion. You don't vote for things that are against God's word. But I'm going to tell you, this world's circling the drain. I'm going to heaven. How about you? I'm looking for Jesus. Come on. Deuteronomy 4:20. I'm 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 fired up. Amen. <laughs> He said in Deuteronomy 4.20, Lord, the Lord took you and brought you forth out of the iron furnace to be His people. They knew God as their God. I'm talking about the fathers of the faith. The fathers of the faith. They knew God as their God who covenanted with them and gave them an inheritance. A real man or woman of God that loves God and wants to serve God is led by God and he leads his family. They knew him as a protector. That fiery pillar kept the armies of the Pharaoh's armies at bay until they got across that Red Sea on dry land. God knows how to protect you. Amen. Years ago, my brother and I, we had just gotten saved. This was, this was a long time ago, amen. 1990. It was December of, or January. Maybe it may have been January of 91, but I believe it was December of November, December of 90. And we were both saved. I mean, we're just in love with Jesus. We both got saved. And, uh, and we're serving God. We're full of the Spirit of God. And we're on our way to church one Sunday morning. And we're just singing and praising God. And we weren't a half a mile from our house. House, and there was a cliff on this side, a bluff. We're on a two-lane road, and there's a there's a drop-off about 50 feet, 100 feet down, not 100 feet, but about 50 feet down into a, a creek, a real deep creek. And we were in a little Chevy Cavalier, and my brother hit a patch of ice, and we just began to spin. And I don't know why I grabbed the steering wheel, but I did. I don't know what caused me to do that. Maybe it was God. But I, I, I grabbed... <laughs> I grabbed that steering wheel thinking that I was going to help him out. And we spun all the way right there in the middle of that road. We never hit the bluff. We never went down into the water. And the car was going the other direction to go back home. And my brother said, we're going to church, devil. We're going to church. He went up, pulled in. Somebody's driveway pulled out. We pulled right back out. I said, go through that patch there a little slower, Okay. Mr. Co-pilot, we drove to church and had a wonderful time in the Lord on that Sunday morning. But God protected us. He kept us. We could have spun and went right off into that water or hit that bluff. 
And who knows what would have happened to us, but God protected us. You ever been there where you, you didn't even know how you got there safely, but God protected you? He's protected you. Amen. I was hit last year, May 5th. You know, I said May 4th, but May 5th because it was midnight when it happened. Hit by a drunk driver who hit another uh, uh, car with two boys in it. And they both flew into me, totaled my truck sitting there at a stoplight. And I didn't even have my seatbelt on. Don't ask me why I didn't. I always wear my seatbelt. But maybe I was just doing something as I was pulling out. And I was going to put it on when I got to the light. But they hit me. And, and, and God spared me. Amen. I'm so thankful that he spared me. He covered me and he protected me. His hand was upon me. God knows how to protect his people. So they knew him as protector. They knew him as provider. He brought the manna from heaven. He brought water out of the rock. He was Jehovah Jireh, my provider. Abraham and his son, um, uh, his son Isaac are on their way up that mountain, on their way up that hillside. And, 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 and Isaac, you know, he said, we got the wood, we got the fire, but where's the sacrifice? Well, you're the sacrifice. You know, well, God was just trying to find out what Abraham was going to do. And he found out his heart. He knew exactly who he was whenever he saw that he wasn't going to withhold anything from God. The angel of the Lord stopped him. If you'll read that in Genesis, you'll see what a beautiful picture of Christ. You know, that he was the sacrifice. He was the substitute. And in, in that thorny thicket was a ram. And he said, Jehovah Jireh, he's my provider. He provided a lamb. Amen. He provided a ram. I'm so grateful today that He will provide and He'll provide for you. What do you need provision for? The Father's taught us God will provide. Amen. He will provide for us. So Solomon begins to reflect on the fathers who knew God. And he says, be with us as you were with our fathers. You know, we have a new relationship, a new revelation of the relationship relationship of God. In the Old Testament, you don't really read a whole lot. In fact, hardly ever do you see any mention about God as a father. That's a New Testament revelation because God wanted to bring it into a personal relationship. Child of God, Father of God. It's beautiful. And we have a new revelation of a relationship with God as Father that's why Jesus said, when you pray, pray, Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. You know, we can know him as God the Father. Not everybody does. Romans 1 and verse 20 talks about how that the invisible things are shown. The creation of God is shown and seen to show each and every person that there is a God. And there are people, I believe, that they go so far as to say that God is a creator, but He's not their Father. But He wants to be our Father. Isn't that beautiful? He wants to be your Father. And there's no Father like God the Father. And fathers, tonight I want to tell you, never be the Father God wants you to be until you have a relationship with God the Father. Then you begin to, you know, love your kids as, as the Father loves, loves you. You know, years ago, and I've shared this before, but we got some new folks here tonight. They might find this very enlightening. But years ago, 
I was preaching on a Sunday morning and and uh, I preached a message on God's grace and His forgiveness and the love of the Father and all this, you know. And my boys, when they were little, they wrestled. I mean, they did. They were smacked down all the time. And Sister Scholes would tell me, will you just please go in there and just clue them in to stop wrestling and somebody's going to get hurt and this. And they were always wrestling in the car, in the bathroom, in the bedroom, in the floor. No matter what, I'd tell them, stop. I'm, this is the last time. I said, next time. We're going down that hallway, and we're going to have a board meeting. Amen. Well, here, it wasn't five minutes. You know, Kyle, Cameron would sit there, but Kyle, he just, he couldn't stand it. He was just, here he was again. I said, that's it, boys. Go on down the hallway. Kyle always started crying before we got to the bedroom. I found out he told Cameron later, he said, you know, I did that because I knew dad would be compassionate on us if I was crying. I thought I ought to get the belt right now and just swatch you. I'm telling you the God's honest truth. They bent over that bed. I said, all right. And something come over me. I have no idea why is God. That's why. But at that time, I didn't understand why. But I said, you know what? Before I spank you, both with a deserving spanking. I said, do either one of you have anything to say? And Kyle, he's just weeping and wailing. Cameron turned around so fast, and he sat down on the bed. And he said, you know, Dad, I do have something to say. I said, what? He said, you know, last Sunday he was preaching. He was about seven or eight years old. This is 2008, so he, he was oh, 10. He said, the other day you was preaching in church, you know. And he said, you was talking about God's love and His grace and His mercy. And he said, that was a great message. <laughs> and he said, I was just wondering if you would show us that grace and mercy right now. I was speechless. He said, you know, I know we did wrong. Once he knew he got my heart, you know, and he started in. I know we did wrong, Dad, and we shouldn't have done it, and we'll stop if you'll just show us mercy and grace. And the Lord just put in my heart, he said, you know, this is an opportunity to teach them about the love of the Father and how that he's a forgiving God. Amen. He's a forgiving God. There had to be somebody to take that punishment, and that was Jesus. Thank God for the blood. Thank God for the sacrifice. But I said, all right. I said, I'm going to tell you right now. I said, I'm going to give you grace and mercy, and you're not going to get a spanking. I said, the next time you do it, I said, this time I'm your Savior. The next time I will be your judge. You know, I don't even think that I hardly ever had to ever discipline them with a spanking again because that so resonated in them. You know, God will cause you as you seek Him and you learn about a relationship with the Father, that will just begin to flow through you to your children. You can't show the love 
of a father unto your kids, really, until you understand the love of your father. Amen. And how forgiving he is and loving he is. Getting back to my message here. We can, we can know him as our father. Not everybody knows him as father. They only know him as creator. They know him as a God that's not a father to them. Not a savior to them. But we can know him as father. And this is not an idea to be inferred in the word of God, but to be received. Jesus said, I stand at the door and I knock. The love of the father is knocking on the door. Amen. John 14, 6 says, No man cometh unto the Father but by me. And one of my most favorite scriptures, just I've got two favorite scriptures, but one of my most favorite scriptures is John 1, 12. But as many as received him gave he the power to be the sons of God. Now we come into a father-child relationship. That's what Solomon was saying. As you were with our fathers, be with us. Amen. Because I know sometimes we look at people, especially people that are older than us or fathers in the faith, and we say, man, I wish that I could have what they, what they have. You can. You should. There's no reason not to. You can have that. You can have that kind of relationship. We can know Him as Savior. And that demands humility and surrender on our part. And He gives grace to the humble, but He resists the proud. When you come humbly before God, I can tell you, He's going to begin to receive you unto Himself. And we as fathers can know God not only as, as the Savior alone, and that's a beautiful thing, but as the sanctifier of our life. You know, our whole life as we walk in faith and, and, and walk in the Spirit, God is sanctifying us. We need that sanctification. Somebody said to me one time, they said, you know, um, I'm, I'm a preacher, but I'm not the holiness preacher. I said, that's the only kind there are. You can say whatever you want to say, but a preacher that doesn't exercise you through his preaching unto godliness isn't worth a nickel. I said, we, we have to preach unto people to such a degree that they're drawn unto God and wooed unto God to live a godly life before Him and worship Him in spirit and in truth, living a godly life. You know, if you're going to be, a, if you're going to be sanctified, it's going to require that you walk in the Spirit and you're Spirit-led and we're sanctified by the Spirit. I know that He considers us righteous. I'm not talking about working your way to heaven. I'm talking about Him changing you and conforming you into the image of Christ. I'm learning this. I sit there and shared with the girls that were at the table there, the cooks. There was three of them. I'm down there reading through my devotional and just reading my commentary and all that. And the Holy Spirit came upon me and I'm just thanking Him. I'm praising Him. And they're down there at the other end of the table. You know, quite a ways down. And the Lord told me, go down there and just talk to them. So I walked down there and I just began just an overflow, just speaking to them. And I said, you know, I said, I'm learning something. You know, I can't say that I've learned. I've never arrived. We're not going to arrive till we arrive on streets of gold. I said, but I'm learning about God. I'm learning that we don't know God like we think we do, you know. And every day that we come before Him, He's teaching us more and more about His character and about His nature and about His love. And I said, you know, it's kind of like the man whenever he came and he was blind. I said, Jesus laid hands on him and He said, what do you see? 
see. He said, I see men's trees. Well, you know, come, let me pray again. He prayed again, and then he saw men as men. I said, that's just one example. I said, we have a view of God. We have a view in the Word of God. And I believe a lot of times it's limited. It's very, you know, veiled in a sense. I said, but the more you begin to walk with God, and you begin to grow in grace and grow in faith, or, or faith is exercised, and you're in the Word, and you go through things in your life, you realize about God's love. You realize about His grace. I said, when I was younger in the Lord 32 years ago, I said, when I first got saved, I said, I was walking righteously. I said, but I was judgmental. I said, I was rigid. I was a lot of things. And I said, but you know, I went through enough failures in my life. I realized something. Amen. I realized God's love. I realized about God's forgiveness. I realized a deeper, more potent, you know, understanding of it and revelation of His love and His mercy and His forgiveness. And I said, now, when I see people come, you know, I'm not, I, I don't want to just slam the hammer down on them and judge them. We're not supposed to do that. I said, we're supposed to love them. We're supposed to embrace them. Amen. That's what we're supposed to do. I said, I'm learning about this. I'm learning that when Jesus came and uh, uh, when the Lord came looking for Adam uh, in the garden, Adam and Eve, he was looking for Adam and they tried to hide and cover themselves. And I said, a lot of people preach like God was coming in there and he was ready to pounce upon them. And I know judgment came. Sin separated us from God through Adam's fall. But he came, Adam, where are you, Adam? Adam, like a father that's looking for his child that's lost and hiding. Adam, where are you? Where are you? I remember one time Kyle was just a little guy. He was about four years old, maybe five. And I had a little car and the seats would come down and he would go in there. Sometimes if we were just sitting in the car, not driving, but he'd go in the trunk and pull that seat back and, and it was like a hiding place for him you know and he thought that was so cool at five but he went out there one time at 100 degree weather I'm sitting in the house doing stuff me and Angela and I remember you know she said where's, where's, where's Kyle he had been out I don't know 10 minutes we just we just it, it, it just hit us where's he at and I'm looking all over from him I'm out there I'm like Kyle Kyle I wasn't screaming in anger I was crying in compassion and something hit me. He's in that car in the trunk. And I went over there and I pulled his sweat dripping down his face. And he's crying. I said, son, I said, I said, I came to get you. He said, dad, he said, I couldn't get out. I said, I'm, I know. That's why I'm here. I've come to get him and brought him in. I said, don't do that again, son, please. But I didn't hammer him. I didn't berate him. But with compassion, I was looking for him. When God came to Adam and Eve in the garden, he didn't come with, with an anger. Or even I'm going to say, uh, I, I believe he came with a compassion. He's looking for him. How do you know that, Pastor? Because he covered him. Amen. You leave him sit there, be naked, and look a fool. You know, God doesn't want to expose sin. He wants to cover it. Right? Isn't that what the cross is all about? To cover and forgive and redeem? You know, that's why whenever somebody hears something about somebody, you know, and they want to start blasting it and, and, and casting a shadow over them, I said, it's not Jesus. I can tell you love covers a multitude of sin. <laughs> love covers. And so I said all that to say this to you. I'm learning more and more and more about the Father. 
and a lot of things in contrast, I mean, in, in, in comparison, his life and my life and what I see in the Word and what I see in my own life, I, I have to crawl in that altar and ask God to forgive me and help me because I said, Lord, I'm so far away from you. I'm not like my Father. I'm not like the Savior. I'm not like God is, and I want to be. I want to be. And so 32 years ago, I was a totally different person than I am today. And I'm thankful I am where I am today and where he's brought me, you know, where he's brought me. And there's so many other examples in the Bible, but for the sake of time, I'm going to move on here. But we as fathers can know him as our leader, as we walk in the spirit and we're spirit led. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you're going to serve as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. Amen. That's why when, the, when, when my boys told me when they were about 12 or 13, we're just not going to go to church anymore. And I said, yes, you are. Amen. You may not want to do anything in church. You may not, you know, but you're going to go. Unless you can afford to pay rent for your room. Because I knew, Lord, if they're out of the presence of God, they'll just die spiritually and I can't let that happen and it wasn't a week or two they both God touched them and they were back where they were before they just went through a time where the enemy was trying to pull them out amen as a father you you you, you know you do everything you can do to make sure that they they stay in the house I can tell you the father the prodigal son's dad father he, he wept over him leaving. He never wanted him to leave. You know why? He was sitting on the porch. Because he was waiting for the son to come back. Amen. And when he came to himself, he came home. It was Lee Ship that preached this. It's beautiful. We were, we, were, we, were, we were talking and I said, you know, God ran to him. Because I said he ran to him. Because he loved him and he wanted to know how much he loved him. And I said, he said, put a ring on his finger, put a robe on him. He didn't even listen to what he said about being a servant. He said, my son was dead, but he's now alive. He's come home. Kill the fatted calf. Bring a ring, bring shoes, bring a robe. Amen. My son has come home. And I said, he ran out there because he wanted to prove the love that he had. He wanted to show him that. It's all there in the language. And Lee Ship said him one more thing, Pastor. I said, okay, tell me. He said the, pro the, the father ran to the prodigal because he knew he had to get there before the elder son did. He said, because if the elder son would have caught him at the door, he'd have said, you know what? What are you doing here? Backslider. You don't belong here. But the father said, I love you. Amen. Isn't that beautiful? You know, sometimes the greatest... Thing, the, the most horrific thing and tragic thing that happens in church is when people in church push other people away and they don't let them come into the house and God restore them. That can never be us, please. Amen. You know, the Bible says he's married to the backslider. Thank God. Thank God. We've all had moments in the wilderness or where we were cold and we fell into something some people didn't fall, they jumped. 
But whatever, thank God you came home. Thank God he doesn't throw the clay away. Amen. He picks up the pieces and he starts over. That's the kind of God we serve. But Joshua began to say, choose ye this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord because the alternative is disaster and destruction. You know, I'm just going to say this and I'm, I'm, I'm going to try my best to close here. Years ago, and nobody knows who they are, I promise you. Years ago, we had a family that was here. Their kids were in here and God saved them and brought them in and their kids were fairly young. and Just, they were growing. They were doing great. They were had really come out of just a life without God and now they've come and they're a family that was serving God and and um, I just watched as the devil began to, little by little, begin to pull the mom and the dad out. And today, this is a fact, today, four kids. One is looking at attempted murder. That's a fact. One is bound by meth. That's a fact. One is a homosexual. And one is just lost has no purpose in life. They're just lost. And as I was sitting there dwelling on that, God said to me, He said, do you see how important it is that you raise your children up in the admonition of the Lord? That you give them a good foundation? That you don't live a hypocritical life and be one thing in church and a totally different thing at home? But that you are the same. Amen. You're the same. You're the same. What you are in church is what you are at home. Because why would they ever believe that you have anything whenever you live such a life? Come on now. Amen. That challenges us. It challenges us. And um, so I encourage you tonight to pray Solomon's prayer and say, Lord, be with me as you were with my fathers or our fathers. Be with us. Don't forsake us. Don't leave us. But as you were with them, be with us. He said, Joshua, as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Go in that same faith. Go in that same power. Everywhere you place your foot, I'm going to tell you I've given it to you. What I was to him, I will be to you. God doesn't have a special elite group that he only pours his spirit out upon. Whosoever will come unto him, I can tell you he'll save, he'll deliver, he'll fill with the spirit of God, and he will use. Not everybody comes with that obedience or comes with that desire, but God will use anybody. Amen. Well, he can't use me, Pastor. I've just done so many things. He used Rahab. Come on now. He used Rahab. A lot of times, you know, I look at, I look at, at Jonah. You know, he was a prophet of the Lord. For, for enough that God could speak to him and tell him where to go to preach. And he disobeyed God and went the other direction. God will use whoever he can get their attention. And he got his attention. He had to be swallowed up by a whale and took, taken down to the depths of the, of the ocean and the sea to cry out to God. And he came out with a renewed testimony. He said, those that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Amen. They forsake the mercy that God would give unto them. He said, I, I come to Jesus down there in the whale's belly. Amen. Thank God for the things we go through that get our attention. I had somebody just reach out to me recently going through something.
a father. And when your life's falling apart, you cry out to God. I said, surrender your everythings. Let God begin to change your life. Serve Him with all your heart. I'm telling you, Jesus is coming. He's coming back for His church. All I care about is that you're ready to meet Him. Are you ready tonight? Amen. He's called us all to be leaders in this generation. Leaders in our family. Leaders on the job. Leaders among our peers. Leaders in our neighborhood. He's called us to that. That is our calling. That is that is what we are called to be and do, to be a light in a dark world. Let us take that charge and say, Lord, yes, here am I. I'll do exactly what you've asked of me. Amen. Would you bow your heads in prayer? Father, I do thank you tonight for your word. I thank you that we have spiritual fathers, but God, that we have examples. As you said in your word, so great a cloud of witnesses, Lord, that went on before us. But Lord, they're written up in the hall of faith, Lord. Lord, that begin to stop the mouth of lions. Lord, begin to come through the fiery furnace that split the Red Sea. Father God, that saw their children raised, saw the sun stand in place, even go back, Father God, a couple degrees. Amen. Lord, and I just ask you tonight, give us the faith, Father God, that we need. God, give us that faith. Stir it, Lord, in this uh, age that we're living in, God. Let, let the Holy Ghost be stirred up in us, Lord, I pray, in this faith that was once delivered to the saints. And I pray that you will stir us tonight, Lord, in this final hour, Lord, that we will do exactly what you've called us to do and be who you've called us to be. Lord, I pray, renew us tonight. Touch us tonight before we leave this place and we'll give you all the glory and honor in Jesus' most holy name we pray. Amen and amen.